Um, as we're turning back to Ephesians chapter 3, uh, we're finishing up chapter 3 and the mystery being revealed. Um, one of the mysteries of life, and there's, there's many mysteries, right? There's many things that we, we're around, we see it every day, but it's still just kind of curious to us. But one is this great relationship between um, moms and dads and, and their kids, right? Parenthood. Um, there, there's pre-planning, you know, um, you, you, you plan on having kids. You talk about having kids. Uh, there's a nine-month buildup um, that is taking place, and the, the love is, is already building and, and, uh, and, and growing. I, I, remember, um, I remember when we found out that we were you know, going to have these twins, and they were really just these two like little tiny black dots, you know, on a on a black and white picture thing. And that's all it was, two black dots. And, and I remember the doctor telling Susan that, um, well, don't don't get too excited yet. A lot of times one of the dots just kind of, you know, dissolves and goes away. So we were kind of in that phase of, well, you know, are we going to have one or two? You know, what's going to be the deal here? And and so the way. Susan uh, told me was she had, you know, this little box with this one little outfit, you know, and at the time, you know, I mean, immediately my, my, my heart sunk because we went from two to one and it's like, that's weird. I, you know, I didn't plan on like having an emotional attachment to a black dot. Um, <laughs> But I did. And, and then she quickly showed me another box. And so thankfully it wasn't just Laura, but Megan too, or vice versa. I don't know which dot I was looking at, but um, yeah, I might not have appreciated her clever, but that's on me. But it, what, what a mystery to have this, this love and, and care and devotion and you know and then you have this nine months this this waiting period and the excitement of you know the birth and then you've got these little tiny little infants and babies and you know and then they're children and then pre-teenage rages you know and um, then they're you know adults um, young adults and then they get married and we're still kind of in that track of watching them become old adults while well, we become much, much older adults. Um, but we're still mom and dad. We're still parents. They're our children, and they will always be our babies. And in fact, in my phone today is still baby Brett, and he'll be that forever, I'm sure. Um, we're caretakers. We're instructors. We're, we're guides, right? We're, we, we guide them through life. We learn about love as a parent. Uh, love is sacrifice. There's a lot of sacrifices, and you'll, you know, you'll die for your kids. Uh, you'll also discipline your kids because part of loving your children is, is protecting them, keeping them from dangers and evils, especially from themselves. 
And so sometimes you have to uh, reward them for their, their bad behavior so that it doesn't uh, result into something greater, something much, much worse. And that's love. That's love. The depth and the complexity really is, it's mysterious. It's beyond measure. One of the things I've been noticing is that in today's day and age, there's, there's a lot of experts. There's a lot of people that have, you know, sage wisdom on how to do things. Um, and, and I find that a lot of people who are, you know, young and uh, not parents are, are trying to parent the world, essentially. Because when they're telling you how to do things and how to live life, that's what they're doing. They're telling you how to, they're trying to be your parent, and yet they're, you know, in college still, but they, they know everything. They're non-parents giving parental advice. Uh, they're, they're, they're blind guides. And, and so this mystery of, of parenting, which becomes clearer and clearer and clearer to parents um, as we continue to grow and grow and grow as parents, but it's a great mystery to those who've never been parents. So they think they know what parenting is. They think they know what, you know, raising people is, but, but they really don't. Um, and so these non-parents think that, well, you know, the best way to parent is to let people just do what they want to do, right? You do whatever you want to do. Um, that's good parenting nowadays, right? So don't, don't tell me what to do. Just, just, you know, let them fail, let them explore, let them do things. And it's gone all the way from just, you know, eating candy whenever they want and going to bed whenever they want and walking around town whenever they want to, you know, I guess changing their sex whenever they want to. Because you just let them do whatever they want to do. There's, there's no, no parenting at all. But see, God has a bigger and a better plan for us. And, and, and God has considered many, many things, but the thing that I'm find, finding most endearing as, as I grow older and as I grow over as a parent is this one of, of Father. That God is our Father. And then it again just makes me think of this, the great depth and mystery behind that. That, that the creator of the universe is, is my father. Um, he's a father. The way he looks at the relationship with us is as a father. And as much as we've learned and uncovered, it, it's still mysterious. And so today, as we continue to just unveil one of the other great mysteries, which is that God's fatherhood was not exclusive to just the Gentiles, that, that his fatherhood was for the entire world. Uh, we, we think of Father Abraham, right? And, you know, many of you maybe learned the song, Father Abraham had many sons, right? That's the only part I know because I didn't grow up singing that song. But Father Abraham had many sons. And it wasn't just Israel. Father Abraham was father to all nations. God is the father to all the nations. And so the mystery that's being unpacked and unfailed in Ephesians and to this little church in Ephesus is, 
is the mystery given to Paul. And, and we've looked at the revelation from God. We've looked at the riches from God, uh, the request before God. And today we want to see the reminder of God. And again, as a, as a, as a quick review, we, we were reminded in chapter 3 that Paul says, For this reason I... Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before you in brief. And by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promised in Christ Jesus through the gospel of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. And we see this mystery unveiled to Paul first as a revelation from God. God revealed this to Paul. The mystery of God's will is completely revealed to Paul, and he is a willing bondservant of Jesus Christ. He's a minister of the gospel of grace to the Gentiles, to the world. They are complete, full members, fellow heirs, members, complete partners in the promises. They're, they're, they're not you know, a second-tier class citizen. There is no longer Jew and Gentile. Well, the second aspect we see is the riches that come from God. Verse 8, to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. That was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart up my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. We see these this unfathomable riches. As, as I just even look out and see all of you to just think of how amazing it is that that God is, has been gracious not just just generically as this like this umbrella but specifically if you just go to you and 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 to you it's like and then we go outside this this little box right this tiny little box and the riches of his unfathomable grace that extend. It's unbelievable. This is why it's so exciting when you, when you have something like, you know, baptisms. And, and, and we, we heard four testimonies from people last week. Four testimonies testifying to the power of Jesus Christ. And how Jesus has transformed their lives. Bestowing them individually with grace and mercy. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And this was a mysterious thing. And not only was it for Israel, but for the Gentiles. It's an incomprehensive gift. 
Well, this is all before God in verse 14. For this reason, I now, I bow my knees before the Father. There's that, that Father. God is our Father. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up with the fullness of God. And so Paul makes this great request that, that we're strengthened that we all can be strengthened, how? By his power. That, that he would live, that he would dwell in our hearts so, so that he, he resides in us, he tabernacles in us. And so our roots as, as individual trees, our roots are, are, are strong. Our roots are strengthened by him so that we can have the fullness of life. So we can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego too. Well, finally, we want to look at today the final two verses, and it's the reminder of God. The reminder of God. Can it ever be that we would forget God? Unfortunately, every day. Way, way too often, right? If, we, if we're honest... How many times do we neglect God? How many times do we, do, if we were to treat our, our spouses, if we were to treat our best friends like we treat God, would, would they break up with us? Would they consider us friends? Or would they consider us not even acquaintances, but, but strangers? Depart from me, for I never knew you. I mean, may it never be that we would hear such a thing from God. Well, when we forget God, then we become strangers to God. Then we don't pray to God. We don't praise God. We don't thank God. We don't ask God's help. We, we, he's not on our mind. So when real life intersects with us, we're, we're just doing it on our own. We're winging it. Again, unlike a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who begin and end with thinking first and foremost, well, I don't know what's going on here, but I, I know there's a God involved. So the reminder then, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I always love it when I see these amen statements in the middle of the letters. Right? It's like, so, so the, the amen is like that exclamation point in the middle of the letter, not at the end. So it's like, you know, Paul, if you, you know, look at these sentences and Paul will get these, you know, like run on sentences that, that just keep adding prepositional phrases and conjunctions and the, the sentence goes on and on and on. It's like, and amen. Whoa, are, are we done? No, I got more. Uh, therefore... <laughs> But, but that's like what's happening here. He means he's getting excited, right? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond 
Now, does that seem odd to you? Exceedingly, abundantly, beyond. When's the last time you received an instruction? You know what I need you to do? Exceedingly, abundantly, and beyond. Right? So we have a, you know, our Adelphia crew, and every day they have different tasks and, and duties and things that they're, they're given a list. And, and it's like, I don't think anybody ever said, okay, exceedingly, abundantly, and beyond, you know, sweep the, the floor. And it's just sweep the floor, right? Just, just take out the trash. No, no, no. Exceedingly, abundantly, and beyond. Wow. That's quite a command. That's quite, I mean, you think there might be a point of emphasis that's being said here? Well, what is that point now to him who is able to do? Well, when I read this and I meditated on that right away, that's why I was drawn to, to Daniel. See, God is able. He's able. Well, to do what? Exceedingly abundantly beyond see this is why god is so mysterious to us because he can do exceedingly abundantly and beyond and it remind me of well, well he's able well he's able to do what what is god able to do well i've got a bible my bible says he can first do beyond even my my understanding Right? Beyond my understanding. Um, be beyond even my 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 faith. Uh, he's he's able. And so we go back to the scene in Daniel three and and this is real life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to die. They're about to be uh, persecuted for their beliefs. What's their belief? They will not bow the knee before another god and worship. I don't know how we're going to get out of this. We're probably not going to get out of this. All I know is one thing. I'm not doing that. I have my own God. But by the way, just so everybody knows, and for the record, if he wanted to, he could save us. He is able. He's able to do anything. And you can almost see them now. I, re I remember this guy, this, you know, this little teenager who, you know, when, when Israel was up against it and up against the Philistine army, and they had a giant who was coming out and cursing them, calling them cowards, cursing their God. And here comes little David. Little David comes out and it's like, man, I don't know what the heck is going on here. All I know is my God is stronger than your God. And who are you, Philistine, to curse my God? My God is able to defeat you. My God is able to defeat you with me, little David. And you know what? He's so blinded. He's so blinded by the power of what God can do. He doesn't understand that he's just a little kid fighting a, a warrior. Who's undefeated? They're all undefeated. That's one of the bad things about being a warrior like that is you win, you're alive, you lose, you die. But see, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they, they knew the power of their God. They knew that, you know what? We remember a story when uh, we're, we're, we marched around 
a city. And the walls of Jericho came down by our faith. Well, I remember grandpa telling me that, you know, Moses was, was, was lifting his arms. And as long as his arms were lifted, then, then we had victory. And so people held his arms up. You know why? Because our God is able. That's what the scriptures are supposed to do for us. That when we read this, that we have that, that conviction. That, that we have that strength. That we understand that God is able. Don't just say anything. Say able to do abundantly beyond exceedingly all. All, 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 if you study Hebrew or Greek, means all. It's one of those words, right? It's not complicated. It means everything in totality. The whole, anything. He's, he's able to do anything. He, here's the interesting part. Beyond, so, so you got to think about, about reaching out. And this is what's hard for us. Because we can't think beyond. We can't think beyond exceedingly, abundantly, beyond, right? It's, it's beyond that, that, that your, your, your faith and your trust has to reach. And so you're not even able to ask. You, you don't know what to ask. You, you don't know what to think. You, we're, we're, we're feeble and weak that way. But let me remind you, and as Paul kind of summarizes, let me remind you that, that verse 14, that our father, now him, he is able, he's able to do these amazing things. How? According to the power. And this is so interesting. We looked at this a little bit last week. According to the power that works within us. It's in us. It's that power is within us. The, the strength and the power and the faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had in them. It poured out of them. It lived out of them. They, they, their faith turned into action. Their minds had that, that Hebrews 11, the assurance Assurance, that means a sure thing. This is what faith is described in the Bible. Assurance of things hoped for. I'm sure of it. That assurance turns into conviction. Hebrews 11, conviction of things not seen. I'm so sure of it, even though I can't see it. That's faith. That's the kind of faith that, that God wants us to have. How do we have that? Well, because he does things exceedingly abundantly beyond, even beyond what we can ask or think. This is why in our prayer time, when we go before the Lord, you know what? You don't know what to pray. I don't know. Sometimes you, you, you know, I, I think of Hezekiah, right? Hezekiah gets this, this letter and this, this letter comes from King Sennacherib and, and, and their armies had defeated every single nation in front of them. They're 10 and 0. And, and they're a big army and they've already defeated big cities and big countries and big nations. And Hezekiah gets this letter and, and has, you know, they're, they're Ravensdale, right? And it's like, well, they've already like defeated, you know, 
Redmond and Kirkland and Bellevue and Renton and Kent and Auburn. And now they're coming to Ravensdale. They're coming down the street. They're at four corners and we're coming to get you guys. We've already beaten them. And you know that any one of them is way bigger than you. And so just give up. And Hezekiah, not even knowing or understanding, he, he just gets this letter from this king that's, that's, that's telling him that you just give up. And, and one of my favorite prayer examples is because he doesn't know what to do. He lays it on the ground before him and he just prays. He, he doesn't know what to ask. He doesn't know what to think. All he knows is I need God. I trust God. I have faith in my God. I have assurance and conviction. And you know what I know? I know my God is able. And so he prays. He goes before the Lord. He's reminded that there is a God. He's reminded that God is his father. God is our father. God is your father. And he can do things beyond your faith, beyond what you think, beyond your strength. And let me remind you that wherever you go, that the promise of the new covenant is that the Holy Spirit resides in you. You have that power. It's in there. It's in you. David was just a little kid. Hannah was, you know, just a, just a, a little gal. It's a matter of male, female, young or old. We all have that power that comes, that comes from, as verse 16 says, that that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. You can be strong. How? With power. How? Through his spirit. It's in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell. He may live in your hearts through your faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. And so this is the reminder that is given to the church of Ephesus. This is the reminder that's given to us that according to the power that works within us. Um, and then to him, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. Again, there has to be this, this reminder, right? That it's to God be the glory, not to David, not to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not to anybody but God himself. It's God that has the power, and that's where we struggle so much as people, as men. If we're not taking the glory, then somebody's giving it to us, right? And we lose sight of it, and that's part of the reason, the way that we forget God and don't glorify God and don't and aren't reminded of him. Then we tend to think of, of men. We tend to think, well, what would he think? What, what would he say? Um, we're, we're, we have this mindset again that, that like we need the mediator. We need the priest. Now, Jesus Christ died so that you could pray directly to him. It's okay to pray with others. It's okay to have a prayer partner. It's okay to, you know, to, to have that. But don't think that you have to. You know, there, there, there's no person in this church that has a better access to, to the Father than you. You're all children of God, all of you. And as a father, 
You want to hear from all your kids. You don't just say, well, you know, I have an older daughter and she comes to me all the time. So I pretty much know what my teenage son's thinking. No. I want to hear from, from all of them, individually, separately, uniquely. You're, you're, we're all unique individuals. I, I love this reminder to all generations. Remember, this is written 2,000 years ago. It's written 2,000 years ago. It's reminding us of things from 3,000 years previous. To him be the glory. And now this new concept in the church. See, this is a new thing, right? This is part of the mystery that there's this thing called the church now. And in the church are Gentiles and, and Jews. And in the church, which is in Christ, all the generations need to be reminded that it's to God that we give the glory. And in that, then we have power. We have power to what? Well, to just make it through the day, right? Uh, our, our, our moments aren't always going to be like, you know, David or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's okay. We just need to navigate today, right? We, we, we have enough of, of our own problems. You know, as, as Matthew says, you know, Matthew 6, you know, don't, don't be anxious for tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Focus on today. Get through today. There's enough going on today. You will be tried and tempted to lie, to steal, to cheat, to slander, to gossip, to whatever it is. Every single day you will be challenged with this. Um, it's been this way for generations past and generations future. It reminds me of, you know, the, the consistency, the consistency of, of the gospel, the consistency of the scripture. We, we tend to, especially now, we tend to, well, we want something new. We want something like fresh. It's like, well, tell me when you've, when you've kind of, you know, lassoed, we were, you know, watching the, um, uh, the the rodeo a couple weeks ago and you know you just see these horses and bulls and they're going crazy and throwing you know these guys off and and it's like well which one of us has like tamed and 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 lassoed this this concept of of being strong with power and and, and having Christ just so richly dwelling in our hearts that we're off this page. We've conquered that already. I need some new books. I need some new sermons. I need some new podcasts because because this stuff nailed it. This is why we need to be reminded of God. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I need to be reminded of that, that I need to go and I get to go to my Father in heaven. I need to remind myself and understand the position that, that He is the God and the creator of the universe and the judge of the universe. And I go before this Father on my hands and knees, bowing before the King. And in this, in this humility, in this submission, 
He will grant me according to the riches. He has all the, 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 the wealth to distribute these gifts that anyone could imagine. It's ready to be given to us. We, we just need to come to him. But instead, what we want to do is, well, they got this new thing going on now. It's called philosophy. The philosophers, oh man, these guys are so wise and they say things that are so, you know, insightful and oh, it's, it's just amazing, you know. Of course, it doesn't work, but I mean, you know, we'll come up with this idea of utopia. It's one of my favorites, you know, because it, it's a book. It's not just a concept. Guy writes a book, Thomas More. It's not a very big book. It's a small book. And he comes up with this idea that, you know, we'll all be equals. We'll all be the same. We'll, I guess, magically all have the great, the same desires. Well, just look to the right and the left of you. We don't all have the same desires. We, we like to do different things. Some people like to do nothing. They love to do nothing. Other people, you can't stop them. We've got a lot of, a lot of people in, in, in this congregation. You can't stop them from working. They, 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 they love it. That's, that's life. And that's a great thing. But you want to stop a guy from working and earning and using his skill and his gifts and his talents. Well, if he does that, well, he's going to make more. He's going to do better. And another guy doesn't want to do anything. Well, welcome to the world. <laughs> welcome to real life. There is no utopia um, because not all people want the same thing. And that's okay. Um, but the philosophers and, you know, we, we're still trying to figure out this great idea of utopia. And by the way, I guess magically they're going to solve this other thing, which is every single country in the world wants to be on the same page. <laughs> you can't get your neighbor on the same page. You think somebody from another part of the world wants to live the same life as you want to live? Um, Okay, so maybe it's not philosophy. It's psychology. We, we just haven't gotten deep enough into the brain. God's too, like, superficial. Faith. Faith. That's just, come on. That's not deep enough. Let's get, let's get really deep. Let's, let's dive into the psychosis of your mind. Chris, the only way to really, you know, evaluate the mind is to, you know, take your brain out and put it on the side and just start, you know, you know, having all kinds of tests and things on it. Of course, you'd be dead from doing that. But, you know, because that's really what psychology is. It's the, the study of the mind. Well, you know, that's why it's amazing to me when you think of these things like ADHD and ADD. It's like, listen, I understand. The, the, the kid's crazy. He, he's excited. He likes to move around. Awesome. Um, well, but to what percentage? Like, is he in like an 82% ADD guy or is he like a 96? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him drugs, right, to like balance the levels. What levels? This isn't like one of those machines that, you know, you have, they have with the cars now. Well, just plug him in and then go, he's an 86. Okay, we need this much Ritalin for him. Do, do drugs have an effect? Yeah, obviously. Sure, drugs will change in your mind and stuff and do different things. Uh, one of my favorite scholars on ADD is uh, um, Pete Carroll. That's right, football coach. And I remember listening to him when he was at SC, and he said, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, he's like, I don't know if I got ADD or ADHD. All I know is, man, is I'm jacked all the time. 
He's like, what that means is I work harder than everybody else. I work all night, all day. I'm excited. I love my life. I'm energized. I'm at that. Whoa, easy, man. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's Pete Carroll. And that's a good thing. And, and so what we all want to call like this bad thing and then do an analysis and then drug out the kid. This other guy's sitting there going, I love it. It's exactly what he says. I love it. And then you watch this guy. He's the oldest coach in the NFL now, and he's like the most hyped dude there is. Um, but through all the generations, the, the world wants us to switch from the scriptures. Our power comes from the Holy Spirit, not from philosophy, not from psychology, not from the, the latest guru book or podcast. Then I mentioned this last week that... By the way, we need to we need to change the terms of the Bible. We don't want to talk about this like sin stuff. It's just too harsh. Right? Again, going back to the parent thing. Look, the kid's crazy. I got this little kid, he's running around, he's destructive, he's being disobedient, he's jumping on the chairs and the couches and whatever. What should we do? Well, Johnny will grow out of it. Well, look in the streets today. Has Johnny grown out of it or is Johnny screaming louder and burning more things and breaking bigger things? You don't let kids do whatever they want to do. Um, well, our father had a prescription for that. He had definitions for that. That's sin. There's a consequence for sin. The consequence for sin um, for disobedience is punishment, discipline. God disciplines those he loves. Why? To bring them back so that they don't burn and spend eternity in hell. And so we need to repent. We have a whole process called forgiveness and restoration and obedience and repentance, right? We don't just redefine everything and go, well, actually, that's just like, hey, guy had some trauma when he was young, which is like my favorite thing. So it's like, so what? Maybe we should have, you know, like if you get a, like a backstage pass, you know, that I guess they, you know, hang them around their, their neck and they can go backstage at a concert. It's like, well, you, you get like this backstage pass for, well, if I had a rough childhood, I get to do whatever I want. So, you know, I, my dad was bad to me. I get a pass. I, I can be a thief. Oh, my dad was bad to me. I, I can be a, a bad husband. My dad was bad to me. I, you know. I can lie still and cheat in business. What, what is this concept? And yet again, at the root of, of so much philosophy and psychology and nouveau Christianity as well, you just have to understand the past trauma. It's not trauma, it's sin. Somebody sinned against you and your response to their sin against you is for, for you to sin. It's, it's all sin. And sin requires repentance in a turning to God's way. And the prescription is right here. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need as some letters of commendation to you or from you? You are our letter written in our hearts. Know and read by all men being manifested that you are a letter of Christ. 
cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human heart. And such confidence we have through Christ toward God that not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything coming from ourselves. Listen, you're not adequate. I'm not adequate. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None are righteous. No, not one. All are desperately sick and wicked. I mean, how many times do the scriptures and how many different ways have to say to you, you're no good? But there's a solution, but there's an answer, but there's a pathway to righteousness. But the starting point is the same. You're not adequate. Verse five, but our adequacy is from God. God is sufficient. He is sufficient. He is the answer who also made us adequate. He makes us sufficient. As servants of the new covenant, not of a letter, but of the spirit. We're not talking about a list of do's and don'ts. We're not talking about rules and regulations. We're talking about that inner man, that inner spirit, that the outpouring of our life, the outpouring of what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't law. They, they weren't like looking at two different laws and go, well, I'm going to follow God's law. No, they were following God, their father. They, they were loving God, their father. They were living for God, their father. They were trusting God, their father. It, it wasn't a legalistic thing. Our adequacy comes completely and sufficiently from God. And back to Ephesians 3, this is the way it's been for generations and generations. And you can see, again, this buildup to him then be the glory in the church. God's glory is preached in the church in Christ Jesus. He's the anchor of our souls to all generations. We're not changing the message. It's the same message. It's a biblical message forever and ever. Amen. That's it. The argument is closed. That, that's what's being said here. Our God exceeds our expectations every time, which is why then we need to go to his word, be reminded of the amazing great things which he has done. God is sufficient, completely, wholly sufficient. And if you're not sure, Ask somebody next to you. Let them tell you how he's been sufficient in their life. Let them quote a passage of how he was sufficient in Daniel's life, in David's life, in Hannah's life, in Hezekiah's life, in Matthew's life, right? Um, but see, and don't forget this. The world is constantly trying to remove God from your hearts and your minds, which is why we need to be reminded the world is trying to remove God, but we know where true wisdom comes from. We know where true power comes from. We're going to be reminded in Ephesians as we keep moving on that, that our wrestle, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. We think our fight is right here. Our fight is against the principalities. Of, of, of the satanic, the demonic that's all around us and embedded in so many different things. And so get ready. 
get ready. The mystery then of the Gentile inclusion is, is revealed to Paul. And again, his mission is our mission to admonish one another, to equip one another, to build one another up and to help one another mature, to grow. That's why we come together in the body of Christ. We help each other with this. We, we get each other excited about this so that God is glorified. As we prepare for communion, um, I was again reminded last week during baptisms of just seeing how Ephesians like plays out in, in real time um, in people's lives. So, so we as a church, we, we, we were able to, to witness what others have testified. But all this happens again in the body, in the, in the body of, 